As I said, it is, it is wonderful to be back with you again. Um, I, uh, I really enjoyed taking a break from the Watch Your Mouth series. It's kind of nice, right? Um, but man, it's just, I know I got to watch it. But I, I tell you what, I listened to, uh, to Hoyt, and I'd listened to Larry, but um, I listened to both sermons, and I listened to Hoyt as I drove back home from Montana. Um, man, I, a great, great presentation of, of sarcasm. And uh, we, I know, Mike, you have thick skin, apparently, I hear. So thank you for that. But no, it was, a, it was, it was very convicting. And today, it, we've kind of, maybe, maybe unknowingly, but a little bit knowingly, we've kind of built on these sermons and, and kind of from square one, we started and we talked about just the power of the tongue, right? We started in James 1, or James, I'm sorry, uh, well, 1 and, and James 3. We talked about the power of the tongue and, and that it's like a, a, the tongue's like a rudder, right? And it's, and, or a little fire and it sets ablaze uh, words and, and, and destruction that's set on fire by hell. And we talked about the fact that these tiny little rudder can steer us off course. And while we might not think it's so off course today, because it's just a little bit of steering and it's not very far off of where we were, in a year or five years, we will be way, way far removed from the destination we thought we would be at, right? That's the power of the tongue. And I, I argued that first sermon that, that I, I believe that the American church, that you and I are, are way off course, that we have ended at a destination not even close to scriptural biblical speech with one another. And it has been so, it has wrecked my heart so much, my own personal heart, because of the way I've spoken or the things I've said or, or, the, or the conversations I've partaken in. I, I just, I think that's, this has not been beneficial. Now, it's not been good for building up others according to their needs that it might benefit those who listen, right? That's, that's the goal of our speech. So as we've gone through this series, my hope is, is that I, I know I am in being wrecked by it, wrecked by the word and wrecked by uh, God's teaching on this subject. And I hope that you are as well. And I hope that you and I would, would come to a place that's the right destination in the way we talk. And, I, and what I know about this is it's very, very difficult because not only has, have we gone off course, all of society is off course. I mean, they've gone, they've, they're derailed, right? They're, it's crazy. So we are, we are, we're off course, but we were doing better than society potentially. But now we're, we know that we're off course. We're going to be drastically different than where society is, but we still have to live amongst society every single day and, and have to have that temptation all around us. So it's very difficult to, to speak righteously with our tongue wherever we go. And we need to know that, that when the series is over, we're not just, oh, we've got it now. We have to practice this day in and day out. And my hope is uh, that we will continue to add to the sermon series throughout the year, throughout the years, so that you and I can be encouraged and strengthened and held accountable to the way we speak. The tongue is powerful. We learned in our second sermon that, uh, that the carelessness comes from the heart. Right? It's a careless heart that speaks, that really what comes out of my mouth came from right here. And, and it's not just words, and you, it's just, you know, it's just how I am, and, you know, I, I, that's how I was raised. Uh, fine, maybe you have excuses, and I have excuses, but ultimately it comes and tells, tells on the heart and what's going on in the heart, and that we aren't to be careless, we're to be careful, because we will have to give an account for every careless word that we speak. Then we went on to this, uh, this slow boil in sermon number three, the slow boil, right, of anger and of grumbling. It's like, I'm kind of holding it in, I'm holding my tongue. Good, good job, you're holding your tongue. But then all of a sudden, it's like a volcano, and it explodes and we spew on everybody or whoever's in our path and it just destroys. It destroys, right? That slow boil of anger. We know there's a place for righteous anger, but you and I probably seldom get to that point where we can properly exhibit righteous anger. We learn that we ought to be more slow to speak, right? Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. 
Then last week, Hoyt talked about uh, sarcasm and flattery and sinful boasting. Talked about how, how we speak to one another with, with sarcastic remarks meant to b- puff me up and tear you down. And there, there, he talked about there is a place for friendly sarcasm. When, when, and this is the test I will always give. Uh, is, is it received in love. When, I, when I'm playful with you or playful with a friend or when I'm playful with Mike and we're, we banter back and forth, I, I need to make sure that that was received in love. Not that I intended it to be loving, but that he received it in love or that you received it in love or that I received what you said in love. And Hoyt challenged us even to check in and ask, hey, listen, I, I know I banter a lot. I know I beat you up a lot with a sarcasm. Are, are you okay? Am I, is, it, is it taken in love or am I going too far? Am I, have I sinned against you in some way? I think it's important for us to ask that question because we don't want to be sinful in our sarcasm. Amen? Then we talked about flattery and just the, the whole notion that flattery is, is puffing you up, but it's not even deserved. It's not even earned, right? I think, I think when, when my son hits a ground ball and he gets to first base, like, good job, son, way to go. I'm proud of you. Good job, you did well. Or and we debrief after the, after the game and, and we, we say, well done, that's okay. But to, but to say, to flatter you with words saying, oh, you're, you're so good, you're the best, puffs you up to a place that ultimately is a place of pride and you don't need God. And, and it's, it's very, very concerning when we do that to the lost. We say, oh, you know what, you're okay, God gets you, no big deal, right? That kind of, that kind of flattery where they think, I can remain as I am in unrepentant faith and I'm good with God. How dare we flatter people that way? Because they will die in their sin having never repented and never understanding that they weren't good with God and that they weren't good enough and never come to a place of faith in Christ where Christ is their only hope because he was good enough for them. We want them to know Jesus, not to be comfortable in their own skin. Today, we move on to some catastrophic cousins. That's the sermon title, Catastrophic Cousins. And they're catastrophic because of the damage that they cause. We look at gossip today, we look at slander and we look at critical or sinful criticism. They're catastrophic because of the danger and the damage and the destruction that they cause. As we look at this, I, I just I want to encourage you to take a breath, to, to let yourself be taught by God's Word, to be convicted by God's Spirit. Uh, I want to encourage you again to not use your elbow today with your neighbor. Saying, hey, you better listen up here, right? We don't want to, we don't, that's, this is for you and me individually to let the Spirit of God start to do a work in us. And I think if we are actually here today to be honest, that we will see ourselves in each one of these sins in ways that we must repent of. And my hope is that you and I can come to a, a real honest evaluation of how we speak, of what information we share and what we say about people and how we judge people and that, that we will repent of that, and we will choose to love people. Choose to love people the way Christ loved people, okay? So I'm going to pray for us, and uh, then I'm going to read the passage of Scripture out of Colossians chapter 3, 1 through 17. Let's pray. Father, I, I thank you so much for how much you love us. And God, I, uh, sometimes I wonder why, because I understand and see just how wretched my tongue can be, or my attitude can be. But God, you still pursue us, and, and I still know, Lord, that you, you died for us. You you took the shame, you took the guilt when you placed yourself on that cross willingly and you gave up your life in a place that I deserved to die. So God, as we, as we analyze our own hearts, may we cling to the truth that we are new in Christ 
and that, that we aren't and don't have to identify ourselves as a gossip anymore or a slanderer. But God, may we repent of those things and trust you so we might be in Christ, new creations. God, help us and, and God, open our hearts and minds to, to be receptive, to see where your spirit is calling us out, to where your word uh, informs us of where we may be in error. God, help us to repent of that and God, to seek restoration in relationships and, and God, to seek restoration in our relationship with you. God, may our desire, our greatest desire to be to love you with our heart, all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind and strength and love our neighbor as ourself. May we choose love. We thank you for meeting us here today. We praise you and we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, Colossians chapter 3. Verses 1 through 17, if you're there in your Bibles and would like to follow along. I'm not, uh, this is not a verse or passage today. I usually break this down after I read it. Um, it's just kind of the, the overarching theme is here and present, and I thought it would be a good read, so we won't probably come back to this. So if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient, and you once walked in these things when you were living in them. But now... Put away all the following, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self. You are being renewed in the knowledge according to the image of your Creator. In Christ there is not Greek or Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity, and let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching, and, uh, and admonishing one another through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of God. Um, I, I read that as a, a setup, and, and Hoyt talked about this last week, that there's so much crossover in what we're talking about. So many of these passages we've been in already or we're going to see again. And, and, and last week he talked about that whole renewal, that we're putting off our old self and we're putting on a new self. And that is a constant thing we must endeavor to analyze and critique in our own life. Am I actually getting rid of the old self? Am I actually putting on the new self? Because as soon as I start going back into sarcasm, right, sinful sarcasm, as soon as I go back into flattery or boasting or when I get really angry and I just blow up or I, I have carelessness coming out of my heart, that's going back to my old self. 
And we're to know that we are new, that Christ has died and risen for us to have life and to be new, and he's offering that to us. And because I've entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ through faith, he has forgiven me. Because I have been forgiven of much, I must also forgive. That's what the new person will do. So as we look at these catastrophic cousins, I know it could be something that's like really hard to hear and like, man, this is a bummer of a sermon. But my hope is this, that we see how much of a bummer this, this kind of speech is and we desire something different. We desire the restoration that God desires. We desire to love the way God loves and the way God desires that we love one another. Amen? So let's look at them. Catastrophic cousins. Number one is gossip. So the first one we're going to look at today is gossip. By the way, James 1.26 says this, If anyone thinks he is religious without controlling his tongue, his religion is useless and he deceives himself. That's something we should stand on. That's probably a verse you ought to memorize, right? Don't think your religion is, uh, is of any benefit if you cannot control your tongue. You deceive yourself. Gossip. What is gossip? I'm going to try to define each one of these for us, and then we'll look at them uh, in Scripture. Gossip is information shared with a motive to elevate self. It's information shared with a motive to elevate self. Let me go a little further than that. This is, this is knowledge or information that is not yours to share. But you have it, or you obtained it in some way. You don't have permission. You likely don't have the full story, and your intended audience has no need for this information. Do we understand what gossip looks like? And the fact that you might be telling the truth doesn't make it okay to share. It is still sinful to share information that's not yours. Now, certainly there are times when we can and when we must speak out about people that are not present. And that's what gossip is doing. You're sharing this information behind somebody's back, right? You're sharing their information privately without them there. So there are times we must do that when they're not present, right? That's, that, you're not being a gossip when you call the police and report a crime as a witness to what happened, right? You, you have to say, this person did this in my presence, right? Or, or when you earnestly seek counsel from somebody on how to relate to somebody else in your life. And now right there, I know I, I almost took this out of this part of the sermon because already you're like, oh, good. I can, I can talk to other people about people. No, stop. Like, we need to really look at that. Let me rephrase when you can share. When you're calling the police to report a crime, right? And this is when you earnestly, like from the right motive of your heart, you earnestly seek counsel, not seek an audience, but seek counsel on how to relate to this person in your life. And they can even remain unnamed, right? And you can also, you're not a gossip when you, are actually warning someone else about a dangerous person or a false teacher. Those are, those are instances where you certainly could talk or share about somebody else that's not present. Outside of that, it's going to be pretty slim pickings for us. It, it is interesting as I look through Scripture and the commentators, as we look at gossip, we can go to the definition of gossip in Webster's Dictionary and find a definition. But in Scripture, it's not just saying, this is, a, this is what gossip is. More, more often, gossip is not defined by a certain form of speech, but rather it is defined by a type of person. Now, this is very important for us. Because if I just had a definition of a type of speech, I might be able to say, well, I, I've avoided all of that. But Scripture really shows us the type of person, the character of the person that is a gossip. 
And that is a little more damning for us, isn't it? Because now we're actually looking at our own self and saying, do I have these qualities? And if I do have these qualities, then guess what? I'm a gossip. It's not just that I haven't technically met the definition in Webster's Dictionary. It's that God has said, you're a gossip if you. If this is your character, this is how you, how you are, you are a gossip. Let's, let's look at a few of those things. And I would encourage you to do a, a deep dive on this subject, to go look up the word gossip and go read every scripture you can about it and see what a gossip looks like, because we don't have time for that today. But I'll read a few. And gossip and slander, by the way, are very similar. We'll talk about the differences in a few minutes. But sometimes as you read your scripture and you look gossip up, uh, one translation might say gossip, one translation might say a slanderer. Either way, it's using information to the detriment of somebody else and sharing something you shouldn't have shared. Here's what Proverbs 11 says. A city is built up by the blessing of the upright, but it is torn down by the mouth of the wicked. So we're going to see what actions are taking place by the mouths of the wicked. A city is torn down by the mouth of the wicked. Whoever shows contempt for his neighbor lacks sense, but a person with understanding keeps silent. A gossip, a gossip goes around revealing a secret, but a trustworthy person keeps a confidence. So in those three scriptures, we see that a gossip reveals a secret. So this is what a gossip is. It's not just the definition of what, go what gossip is. It's what a gossip is. A gossip is someone who reveals a secret. That's the first part. I, I'm going to share something that I shouldn't have shared, right? How many, how many of us have always had that person come up and say, hey, I'm going to tell you this, but please don't tell anybody else. Now, granted, they were told the same thing before they came to you and shared. That should say something, warning, right? Oh, yeah, don't worry, I, I, won't, I won't share with anybody that I don't want to. And then they share. And then you go home and tell your spouse or you tell your, your best friend. And oh, don't, But don't tell anybody. I, I don't know if I, was, I should have shared that. If you don't know if you should have shared it, you shouldn't have shared it. It's pretty simple, right? And, and more often than not, we know we should not have shared it. So a gossip is someone who reveals secrets. They don't keep things in trust and in confidence. And you've got to be very careful. Like friends, we should pick friends who are not gossips, who are not people who will share business, Right? What are some other descriptions there of a gossip? People who tear down with the mouth. People who show contempt for their neighbor. Right? That attitude. People who lack sense. Those are all gossips and, and they're destructive. In Proverbs 16, 28, a contrary person spreads conflict and a gossip separates close friends. So continuing on, what is a gossip? A gossip is someone who separates close friends. I'm going I'm to share information that's going to cause you to doubt so-and-so, cause you to think illy about that person, right? It separates close friends. It spreads conflict. It spreads conflict. Now, I, I know there's, there's a place, like one of the things that gets to uh, in, in our heart, we really feel like we, we owe it to everyone to be like the truth police. We owe it to everyone to be the people who give information so that, that this can be righteously vindicated, right? We want justice. We say that, but that's not really it. We just like having information. We like having the scuttlebutt that no one else has. That's really what it is. I mean, we should desire justice. But if justice leads us to separating close friends, if justice leads us to spread conflicts, to reveal secrets, to lack sense, to show contempt, to tear down. That is not the righteous justice that God intends. 
In fact, there is someone who does intend to divide and to destroy and to steal and kill. Who is that? That is Satan. What does Jesus do? He wants to unite. He wants to redeem. He wants to restore. That's what the Lord Jesus does. So in our conversations, in our speech, if we are tearing down, revealing secrets, lacking sense, separating close friends, spreading conflict, we are doing the devil's bidding. Instead, we should keep our mouth closed and pursue restoration and righteousness. Uh, this, this word gossip in Proverbs 16, 28, it says a, a contrary person spreads conflict, a gossip separates close friends. It's also a, a whisperer. A whisperer. Typically a gossip doesn't come up to a podium and say, ah, let me tell you about so-and-so. How does, how does somebody spread gossip? In a whisper, right? Quietly, kind of in a clandestine way, like, oh, you know what? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show off that I know this stuff to so-and-so, so I might have a one-up on them because they told me about such-and-such last week. But I'll do it sneakily. I'll do it quietly. Hey, have you heard? Did you hear about so-and-so? That's, how, that's what gossip, a gossip does that, right? Let's go on in Proverbs 26. Without, without wood, a fire goes out. So we're talking about fire. Without a gossip, conflict dies down. Man, isn't that crazy? See, I, I, know, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're feeling because I'm feeling it. As I go through here, I'm like, but it's okay to do this. Oh, but it's, it's okay to share this. It's okay to say this. And it says here, without a gossip, if I would choose to not gossip, conflict would what? It would die down. And so it means if I choose gossip, what happens? Conflict escalates. It's like I put fuel on that fire. As charcoal embers, uh, or as charcoal for embers and wood for fire, so is a quarrelsome person for kindling strife, right? This, this gossip kindles strife. This gossip, this gossip uh, conflict uh, does not die down. A uh, gossip's words are like, oh, this, this is, here's the truth. A gossip's words are like choice food that goes down in the inmost being. There it is. We like it. We want it. And it's, it's both, I, I, I'm so glad I have the newest scuttlebutt. I'm so glad I have that secret. I'm so glad I have that information because now I can, can share that tasty morsel with somebody else. And you almost feel important when you have it, like, I, I have something that someone else doesn't have. I'm important. I'm valuable. This is great. And I can't wait to throw this person under the bus by sharing it with somebody else. And then they'll share it with us. And, and, and I know that they're gonna, they want it too. And they're going to be hanging on every word that I say. We love that kind of attention. That is so sadistic. That is so selfish of us. It's all self-centered. It's all pride. It's all ego. And it brings about division. It brings about conflict. But we need to understand that a gossip's words are like choice food. One, in that we, vow, or we desire choice food. And two, that when we get, eat choice food, it goes down to our inmost being. It's not just that, well, I listened for a few minutes and now I'm done. Now you're thinking about that person. Your, your, your view of that person is different. right? You don't know what to believe or who to believe. You're, you, you wonder about the person who told you. All of that is now in question. Why? Because those morsels go down deep. First Timothy, I, I want to go into the why. why. How do we get there? How do we participate in this? 
Well, 1 Timothy 5.13 was Paul's instruction to Timothy, actually about some women in the church, but I think it, it, it also applies to all of us. It says, at the same time, they also learn to be idle. Going from house to house, they are not only idle, but they are gossips and busybodies, saying things they shouldn't say. Now, I, I know that's talking about women in that church, but that's, that's about all of us. I mean, we, we all could fit into that category. But what I want you to see today, we're not going to do a teaching on this, but the connection that Paul made to Timothy. Do you know what he connected gossips to? Busybodies. People that, were, people that are idle become busybodies, and busybodies become gossipers. See, gossip is the type of thing you fall into when you don't have anything better to do. So what, what's one of the ways that you and I could stop gossiping? Find something better to be doing. Stay busy. Do, do something productive for the kingdom of God or for the body of Christ or for your community. Do something that, that God has called you to do. Go love somebody well. Go, instead of talking about somebody, go talk to somebody about what you're feeling and what the hurt has been caused. Th th those are productive things. When we decide to be idle, we become busybodies, and we become busybodies, we become gossips. The presence of gossip in our life largely depends on two things. How we talk to people who are not, how we, how we talk to people about people who are not present, and why we talk about them. It's how and why. Because that reveals what? Reveals the heart behind what we're trying to say. Um, throughout the entire sermon today, I, I've got different questions that I want you to consider, and some of them are just diagnostic questions. The first one, though, is, is something I, I've said early on, and I want you to maybe write these ones down. Um, it, when you're thinking about sharing information that probably isn't your information, here's some questions to consider. One, is it my story to tell? Is it my story to tell? Would I tell the story if that person were right here? Would I tell that story if that person were right here in my presence? Or would my tone change? Would the story change? And, and I think this is important. What would that person think if they heard I was telling that story or that information? What would that person think? Now, if you can clear yourself, if you, if you can say, uh, is it my story to tell? Uh, yes, I had permission. Okay, great. Um, would I be telling the story with that person right here? Absolutely, okay. Uh, wh what would they think if they heard that I was sharing this story? They think it's hilarious, funny, they'd want me to share it, they learned a life experience. Great. Now you have permission, now it's not gossip. But if you say, is this my story to tell? And it's, no, it's not your story to tell. Well, I really want to tell it, so would I be telling it if they were here? Well, yeah, I'd, I'd say it to their face. Well, then say it to their face. Then do that first. Because what gossip will do was, is divide, and what Jesus wants to do is restore. So what do we do? We go talk to our brothers and sisters. Here, here's a diagnostic question. You don't have to write this down. There's going to be a lot of these, and you can go back to the, uh, the, the sermon online and get these later on, or come by the office and I'll write them all down for you. I'll print them out. 
Um, I, my goal actually in this series is to, is to give us all like a one sheet on this entire series so you can have definitions and some encouraging scripture and some diagnostic questions that you can ask yourself as well. So that'll be coming as well. But here's a diagnostic question for you. Do you enjoy sharing this information with your friends? So that story you wanted to tell, that information you have and you're, you're holding on to, do you enjoy sharing that with your friends? If so, it's probably gossip. Why is that? Because seeking counsel, which we all go under the cover of, I'm just, I'm just wanting to give this to you for prayer, for counsel, right? Seeking counsel in a broken and difficult situation is good, but it is not fun. It is painful. It is not enjoyable. So if you're enjoying sharing these tidbits of information, you are not pursuing restoration. You are not pursuing counsel over a difficult uh, situation. It's gossip. Now, now you're thinking, well, Brandon, I, you haven't talked to me at all because I, I don't gossip. You might be thinking it's okay because you're not the one doing the gossiping, right? Uh, and you can't, you can't help it. People just talk around you and they just share things they probably shouldn't share, but, but I'm not the one gossiping, right? I'm just there. I'm just present. Why? Because you're easy to talk to probably, right? Well, there's a few verses about that as well. So for those of you who aren't, aren't a gossip at all, but you hear the scuttlebutt, for those of us, Proverbs 17, 4, a wicked person listens to malicious talk. A liar pays attention to a destructive tongue. Proverbs 20, 19, the one who reveals secret is a constant gossip. We learned that. And it says, avoid someone with a big mouth. So if you're on that receiving end, you're like, oh, I, I'm not the gossip. I just hear a lot. You need to stop hearing a lot. One, you need to say, please don't share that. I don't want to hear that. Please stop. Or you need to remove yourself from that group of people who wants to share all the stuff. Because it, it will poison you as well. It is a catastrophic poison that, that goes into dividing and dividing and dividing. It's things that we, we think about and it weighs on us all the time. Something someone shared or someone, a conflict someone has and wasn't restored. And I think they said this. I think I heard they said this. And you don't have a clue about it. And you're just kind of like really like, what is really true here? That's why it's so important to not continue to be a gossip, but to, to pursue restoration. We'll see how that happens more later. So first one was gossip. Let's look at number two. The second catastrophic cousin is slander. Slander. Let me give you a definition of slander. It's closely related to gossip, but it's, it's, there's a little difference here. Slander is information that is typically false shared with a motive to elevate self and to hurt or defame another person, okay? So it's, yes, I have information, and it's typically false. Now, here's what I'll say. Slander is like a fault, bearing false witness. It is lying against and about somebody. Now, we can, we can cloud that a little bit, and I want to I make sure you understand that that statement you made, like, okay, I, Brandon, do you know Brandon speeds down the road? I saw him speeding yesterday down the road. Okay, that may be factually correct, but you didn't ask me about it, and my dog was being rushed to the vet. Or my pregnant wife, well, she's not pregnant, my pregnant wife was going to the hospital to have a baby. Like, like get some context first. See, slander says, I don't need context, I'm just going to share the truth, here you go. And it's just like this little lie, little seed, these little seeds that go out there, and you have no idea about the whole story. You have no idea about what was really going on 
because you had no desire to really talk about it or ask about it. You just wanted to share some slanderous information. So it's information typically false. I say typically false because although it may be factually correct in a statement, it's not contextually accurate, so it's false. Shared with a motive to elevate self. I have information. Don't you know? They're so bad. I'm so good. Right? To elevate self. And then to hurt or defame somebody else. Exodus 23, 1. You must not spread a false report. Do not join the wicked to be a malicious witness. A mali- this happens all the time in trial. Do you ever see those trial shows where, where they ask the yes or no question? That's what they're, they're, they're trying to be. They're trying to slander. They're trying to make a case, be their case, and make you say or this witness say what they want them to say with no explanation, with no context, with no regard for really may have, what may have been going on. Now, sometimes that's good, and oftentimes that's bad, and, it's, and, and hopefully you have a, a, good, a good attorney on the other side who can say, can you explain that for the jury so you understand what you were doing and why you're, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it happens all the time. Yes or no answer, please. I just want yes or no. Right? i got to watch that with my kids. I've got to let them kind of, ha- I want, if I want them to work around an issue and think through all these different aspects and to shepherd their heart and have their heart wrap around a, a, a topic, I need to allow them that opportunity to converse about it and to think through it and to, and to tell their story as long as it might be. I don't want to just have a yes or no answer. Let's, let's con- contextualize this a little better. But Exodus tells us, and don't bear false witness. Don't spread a false report. And the wicked, uh, or join the wicked to be malicious witness. A malicious witness is intentional. Malicious is intent. My intention is to lie uh, and, or tell half-truths to hurt the other person. That's slander. The idea there's lawsuits that go out for slander, right? You, you write something up in a newspaper article or you write something about somebody that lacked context or lacked uh, proper, uh, proper facts to, the, to support that. It, you can be liable for slander. You told not the truth. Uh, Leviticus 19 says this, do not act unjustly when deciding a case. So it's, it's like, take a full perspective in here. Not, don't just be quick about it. Do not be partial to the poor or give preference to the rich. Uh, judge your neighbor fairly. Do not go about spreading slander among your people. Do not, do not jeopardize your neighbor's life. I am the Lord, is what he says. Slander jeopardizes life. And, and all slander does is divide. That's all it does is divide. We should want people to answer for their sin. We, and we should go to them so they can answer for their sin. And if they end up burying themselves, they'll bury themselves. We don't have to help them. We'll see that in a few minutes with critical thinking as well, or critical speech. It goes on in verse 17 of Leviticus 19. Do not harbor hatred. This is what it is. This is what slander is. I'm harboring some kind of anger or hatred, malicious intent toward my neighbor or my brother. Do not harbor hatred against your brother. Rebuke your neighbor directly. Again, don't talk about him. Go to them. Go to your neighbor. And you will not incur incur guilt because of him. Do not take revenge or bear a grudge against members of your community. But love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord, he says. So we don't take revenge. We don't bear grudges. We don't, against people in our community. We say, you know what? I don't know the story. And, and maybe I need to pursue that, and I need to find out, I need to ask questions, or, or maybe I need to let it go. Because I, we want to be in unity here, not be divided, let Satan divide, right? This is, a, this is where it's the love and the hate thing. He says, love your neighbor and stop harboring hatred against your brother. Love. We have to choose love over hate. 
Again, this does not mean we don't talk to our neighbor. We talk to them. We go directly. That's the loving thing to do. But we saw a few weeks ago in a sermon out of Mark, we saw before you go judging your brother or sister, it's better for you and want to take the speck out of their own eye. It's better for you to what? Take the log out of your own eye. Right? Really look hard at yourself. Examine your own heart. Make sure you can see clearly and have a better perspective because if you're going to go to surgery and you can't see very clearly, it isn't going to go very well for you or for the other person. But if you're going to go to surgery and you can see clearly, it, there's going to be smooth edges and, and clean cuts. And there might be some sharpness there, but it's not going to be painful as, as it would have been ripping and tearing. It's going to be compassionate and grace-filled. That's what we should pursue. That's how we restore relationships. Here's a question to ask yourself about slander. Oh, after one verse, uh, Proverbs 26, 28. A lying tongue, that's false information, right? A lying tongue hates those it crushes. It's not loving. It is not loving to slander people. It, is, it says, I don't love them, I hate them. A lying tongue hates those it crushes, and a flattering mouth causes ruin. Just destruction all around. So here's a question to ask yourself. Uh, the information I have, the, the thing I want to share, the, probably the false information I want to share, would I be ashamed if somebody heard me say it that actually knew the information? Would I be ashamed if somebody that knew the information heard me say it? Or am I hiding this conversation from anyone? Like, like I'm willing to tell so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so, but... I'm not going to tell you if it's in the company of someone else. I'm not going to tell you if it's, it, it, why? Because there might be accountability and you might be called a liar, liar, pants on fire. That, that's, so that's a question to ask. Am I, am I willing to share this? Am I, can I stand on this information and, and share this? And am I not, not ashamed to share it? I, I, I would say for me, I don't always ashamed. I just, I would, nope, close the mouth. Right? Because I, I, if I even I think I'm mostly right, I'm, I don't have all context on this. I'm not going to slander somebody and, and put somebody else down. right? I don't, wanna, I don't want that to occur. There's another proverb that was really neat as I studied this. 22.1, it, it said this, A good name is to be chosen over great wealth. Favor is better than silver and gold. What, what's the currency that we exchange? It's redemption, it's restoration, it's having good reputations with one another. That's the currency, it's love. That's what we exchange. And, it's, and that's good. It says a, um, a good name is, is to be chosen over great wealth. This is what we should pursue. You and I should pursue having a good name and, letting our brothers, and helping our brothers and sisters have a good name and good reputation as well. That's our endeavor. That's what we should do. So if I am saying something that is going to, to put doubt on someone else's good name, I should... Hold that back and think twice before I do, or three times before I do. I should maybe, t maybe talk to someone or pray to someone else uh, before I go sharing that information. Because a good name is of great value. Here, here's some diagnostic questions. So you don't, you know, again, you don't have to write these down. If you're seeking counsel from others about how to deal wisely with this person, do you keep the person's identity secret except when necessary? That sounds like a good thing, right? If you aren't keeping that person's 
identity secret except when necessary, that's slander, right? You're, you're seeking counsel. You're not, you, want it, you want that person to be named. You want that person to be seen in a bad light. Another diagnostic question here. Is your conversation with friends about this other person intended? Like why, like why again, the hows and the whys of gossip or slander or critical talk. Why are we saying this? Is my conversation with friends about this other person intended to prepare me for a productive conversation with that person? If not, it's slander. Or it might be gossip. It's sinful speech. Do you see that difference? If I go spouting my mouth off to you about her, or to you about him, but my intention is not at all to be counseled on how I might go to them and, and seek restoration and seek forgiveness um, for something I've done or, or to let them know how they've sinned against me. If, my, if I have nothing in me that says I want to do that, then I should not be speaking to somebody else about it. Right? Th that's a way we should. Like I should seek counsel at times. But even that, I can tell you now, and, and the elders in our church and the Bible study teachers in our church would tell you this. If you come to me or one of them and you say, well, so-and-so did such-and-such, -and, -such, and I really, wait, I, I'll, probably, I'll probably interrupt you. I probably have. Some of you might have come to me. I probably have interrupted you. Say, wait, time out, pause. Have you talked to this person yet? That's the first thing I'm going to want to know. I, I may clarify. I may say, did they really sin against you? Like, how, do you really, or did they just kind of do something you didn't like? And then, did you go talk to that person? Like, because you and I don't have to have a conversation until you go. Until you go. And, and you didn't win your brother or sister back. And then we can go further there. But, but if our conversation with other people, with friends, about this other person isn't intended to prepare me to go talk to them, then it is slander or it is gossip. It is sin. And we should, we have to avoid it. Why? Why do we avoid that? Why? Because it's, it's so destructive, right? Satan knows that, that slander, it, it just it deadens and splits churches. This, this kind of thing, I, you know, there is so much talk in Scripture about the, what we say out of our mouth. So much. And we say so little about it up here. That's, that, I'm so glad we're doing this now, and, that's, and I want to continue to, to incorporate this throughout the years because there's so much to be said in Scripture. And, and this kind of talk, ungodly talk, sinful speech, deadens the church. It divides the church. It's, it, it, it poisons friendships, right? It fractures our families. It splits families. It sucks the courage out of us. So our goal, particularly in the context of the church, is to help each other. And to help each other avoid this satanic, demonic speech amongst ourselves first. Can we do that? Can we help each other? I, I, think, we've, I think at times we've been so stuck in a place of like, oh, I, I, just, I need to watch my mouth. Watch my mouth. Watch. I'm just going to, I'm watching my mouth all the while. It's going on all around us. I mean, there have, been, there have been plenty of times in the last few weeks as we've gone through this series 
where I've been trying to watch my mouth or not say something. And I'm not saying I've done perfect at all, but I've, I've not said, and then, then someone else starts saying something. I'm just like, nope, I'm not going to participate. But you know what I didn't do? I didn't say, wait, stop. Let's, let's talk for a second about what you're doing right now. And that's hard to do. It's hard for us to confront one another when somebody else is participating in this sinful talk. So here's some things that you and I should do. Here's some ways that you and I can do this. And I, and I want you to understand, we as Christians should always seek to make sure we have a pure heart before we say something, to make sure we're right with the Lord and right with others before we speak up and say, wait. But it should be expected, Christian, you and me, from you and me, that you will speak up when I'm speaking something or saying something I shouldn't be. And that I will speak up when you are. And that you will when she is, and he will when you are. That we will do that with one another. Because that's the expectation. We, we don't want to speak in, in terms and in ways that divide, and that ruin and destroy. Amen? So we need to have permission to say, hey, wait, pause, time out. And here's a couple of ways you can do that. You say, wait a minute, wait, wait. Just let me clarify. Is the information that you're sharing me, is this information I should know? I've used that. I love this one, right? Because it doesn't necessarily say you're a bad person, stop sharing that information. It asks the question, is it information that I need to know? Kind of lets you kind of ease into this, right? Uh, and then I can further on. Is it, are you sharing this information with me because you want me to help you pursue reconciliation with somebody else? Because that's the reason you would share it with somebody that wasn't that person is that you want them to help you pursue reconciliation, right? And then the next question you could ask, wait a minute, before you share, wait, wait, wait. Have you shared your concern with this person directly already? If not, I'd, I'd be willing to go with you and, and talk to them with you. That's, that's just, I, I want to, what are we pursuing? We're pursuing restoration. We're pursuing love. We're pursuing redemption. And that's fine to pursue accountability. We're not pursuing destruction and division and slander. Another question we could ask is this, because we just Hoyt talked about it last week, and I read it from Colossians this morning, uh, that we put off our old self and we put on our new self, right? And we put on our new self. That's, that's what helps us not be slanderers and gossip. So the question I can have with you when you start to speak, or you can have with me when I start to speak, say, wait, 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 are, are you doing everything possible Everything that you can do to put away bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and slander from your life. That's, that's a charge from Scripture given to you and me. And if, if I come to you with clamor and bitterness and resentment and anger, I'm not doing a very good job at obeying Scripture, am I? I need to be putting that off. And then finally, we, we know that a person... A good name is to be chosen over great wealth. So our reputations are important, that we, we have good reputations and good rapport. So here's a great question to ask somebody. Say, wait, wait you're, you're saying something, but wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. How can I help you guard this person's reputation like a treasure? And they're like, well, I don't, I don't want to guard their reputation. Well, then that's sin. Let's, let's go and talk to that person. Let's go try to restore. Let's go be loving to them. Let's go encourage them to repent if they have indeed sinned. Let's in, in, uh, encourage restoration and reconciliation. Those are great questions to ask and, and we don't want because we don't want to divide. And we, don't want to, we don't want to gossip. We don't want to slander. The last catastrophic cousin on my list today is catastrophic or critical speech. Sorry, number three is critical speech. 
or unloving criticism. I think there, there's a fine time for people to critique and be critical. I, I, I actually welcome that within several different people in my life. I want them to be critical. I want them to look at my life. I want them to judge it. I want them to, to point out errors in my way or things I, I, may not, I may have blind spots about. I want that. I welcome that, that critique. But criticism, right, is, an, is usually a negative-sounding thing. So we'll just say unloving criticism or sinful criticism is critical speech. James chapter 4 says this, Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. So the remedy right away is humility. Humility. He goes on, don't criticize one another. So how do I not criticize? By humbling myself. Don't criticize one another, brothers and sisters. Uh, anyone who defames or judges a fellow believer defames and judges the law. If you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and destroy, but who are you to judge your neighbor? Now, I use this early on in this, uh, in this series as well. But it says, do not criticize, right? Don't criticize. Other definitions there, don't defame or judge. Um, that, that's kind of what's going together with this. So, so when you talk about critical speech or unloving criticism or, or when you're criticizing another, you are defaming and judging them. This is more than just saying, I'm gonna, here's a false witness. I'm going to give you a false report. That's slander. It is, I am going to take on my, the responsibility myself to be the judge and the jury, and I am going to be the executioner. I am going to decide that you are guilty, and I am going to decide the sentencing right now. In, in essence, I am the one that is going to condemn you. That's what critical speech is. It goes back to judgmental speech a few weeks ago, too. Same, similar thing going on there. And that, you are not, I am not the sentencing, sentencing judge. That is God. Now, do we judge one another and hold each other accountable? Well, certainly we do. But when I am using critical speech, I am defaming and I am judging someone in a way that says, I have all the facts and I have the righteousness to judge you and convict you and sentence you to your punishment. And that's not you and that's not me. We don't have that. We, we can grieve over someone's sin. And, and when we grieve over someone's sin, we should pray for them. And we can grieve over someone's sin. And, and, and when we grieve for someone, over someone's sin, we can go to them and ask them about it. But we are not to grieve and then in our grief pass sentence and judgment and condemnation on them. That is not our role. Romans 12, Paul says this, let love be without hypocrisy. See, that's what's hypocritical. Hypocritical love is I'm going to pass sentence on you now. Let love be without hypocrisy. Detest evil. Cling to what is good. Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Again, this is love. Take the lead in honoring one another. Outdo each other in love. Outdo each other in honor. Don't lack diligence and zeal, but be, be fervent in the Spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. We lack some patience, don't we? Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. There's... there's that's how we treat one another. Right? I want to rejoice in hope that, that I have hope in Christ. My brother and sister has hope in Christ. I'm going to be patient in this affliction. If someone's hurt me or said something about me, I'm, I'm going to be patient and I'm going to be persistent in prayer. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Goes on and says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. This is what critical talk is. It's like, I, you did something evil, I'm going to give you something evil in return. I'm going to judge you that way. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Friends, do not avenge yourselves. 
This is what critical talk is. It's I'm, I'm going to get even. How dare they say that? I'm going to get even now. Instead, leave room for God's wrath because it is written, vengeance belongs to me. I will repay. So we have to understand that I don't have to be the judge, jury, and executioner. God's got that role handled just fine. And in fact, we'll see in a few minutes, right? He should have done that to me. But through faith in Christ, he has forgiven me of my sin. This goes on. It says, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Uh, for in so doing, you will be heaping fiery coals on his head. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. This is, this is interesting. I, I love this idea of heaping fiery coals on their head. It gets me out of being judged. And, and, and how do I, how do I let, let judgment come down? By being nice. By, by not repaying evil with evil, but repaying evil with good. And the more I'm good to another person, the more I'm good when I talk about another person, that person, if they are actually what I thought they were or was going to tell people that they were, if they're actually that, they are going to bury themselves. They don't need your help to do it. More than likely, they weren't the person you thought they were and the story wasn't as true as you thought it was. And there's going to be reconciliation and restoration there as well. This is also a human value issue a human value, that you and I are human beings made in the image of God and that we should not be, be cursing or defaming or criticizing one another. James says it in James 3, with the tongue, we bless our Lord and Father and with it, we curse people who are made in God's likeness. Blessings and cursing coming out of the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, these things should not be this way. These are people who are made in God's image who God loves, who God died on a cross for. And that if they would come to faith in him, that they would be forgiven just as you came to faith and were forgiven. It's about loving people towards Christ. Proverbs 10, 11 and 12, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. We are to be fountains of life in what we say, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Our words, our actions, they should bring and speak life. Hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers all offenses. Love covers all offenses. Again, we, when we cover offenses, we don't flatter people. Saying, oh, you're okay just the way you are. We make sure people know, that, hey, you're sinful and separated from God. I'm sinful and separated from God. We need to repent of our sin and turn to faith in Christ to be restored and to be forgiven. And he offers that to everyone freely and all who would come to him. But when, when we interact with one another, our brothers and sisters, love, love. You know, I said it before, how, how often someone might do something or say something, and it's like, man, that, I didn't like that. That really ruffled my feathers. And you really think about it, and it's like, that was, that was just weird. That was, they've never done that ever. That's not, that's not who they are. My counsel, just overlook it. Overlook it. Move on. Don't dwell on that. Move on. Let love cover all offenses. Now, if it becomes a problem and a habit, there's habitual sin going on, certainly we want to go compassionately to our brother or sister and ask about that and see how we might help. We can bring good news, right? We can be up front with other people. We can speak and we can listen, but we do that out of a changed heart and out of a love for God and a love for others who are made in his image. All right, last, last bit of questions before we end. More diagnostics. If you are involved in conflict with another person, are you talking to others only about that person's sin and never about your own? That's probably critical speech. 
You, 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 you ever heard that before? Like, well, we're pointing at somebody else. We're, we're pointing. We got three fingers pointing back at us. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Right? We, we don't like to look at ourselves very often, do we? And if all you're concerned about is their sin and you have no piece of the pie to take care of, it's probably sin. What is the tone of your voice? Good diagnostic tool, right? What is the tone of your voice and the attitude of your heart? Are you meek and humble? Are you brokenhearted when you share this other person's sin? Or do you feel angry and righteous in comparison? If so, it's probably sinful speech. If you're angry and self-righteous, it is sinful speech. Next diagnostic question, are you talking to God about this person as much or more than you're talking to somebody else about him? Are you praying? If not, you're in sinful speech. Are you, are you limiting the number of friends that you speak to, number of counselors you speak to? If not, it's probably gossip. You see, gossip seeks to spread communication widely so that it can divide widely. But Jesus seeks to restrict certain delicate communications uh, in, in the way we proceed in Matthew 18. So turn there with me. Uh, last passage that you have to turn to, Matthew chapter 18. We've already talked about in previous sermon and a little today, taking the speck or the log rather out of our own eye and judging our own our own heart before we speak to someone. This is, this is how we ought to go about uh, talking to our brother and sister. This is, this is what we will encourage you to do. Beginning in verse 15 of Matthew 18. If your brother or sister sins against you, go and rebu rebuke him in private. If he listens to you, you've won your brother. Okay, what's the first step? Someone, someone makes you mad. Someone does something against you. So you. You got something against somebody. What's the first step? Go talk to them. Who? Them. Say it with me. Go talk to them. Okay, not go talk to somebody else. Go talk to five friends. Go, go talk to them. Next thing. But if he won't listen, take one or two others with you so that by the testimony of two or three witnesses, every fact might be established. So you're, you, you've gone. You've gone to seek this restoration and reconciliation and it hasn't worked. Now it says, now you can go to somebody else. But it has to be in this meek, humble, just wrecked way that says, I, I want restoration to happen. And I'm going to go find a counselor, someone that actually is a counselor, not just a buddy, but someone who can set me straight on this. Go to one of your elders or teachers, your Bible study leaders. Go to them and say, I need counsel. What do I do next? Can you come with me? And proceed from there. But you go sharing that information with the purpose of restoration. And then it goes further. If, if he doesn't pay attention to them, then you tell the church. He doesn't pay attention to even the church, then let him be like any Gentile and a tax collector to you. This is how, how church discipline works as well. If, if you or I sin against somebody else in the body of Christ, and that, and that person calls us out on that, and we are unrepentant, someone will come saying, hey, you've sinned. This is wrong. Maybe you didn't intend it, but this was wrong, and you need to repent of that sin, and you need to seek forgiveness and seek restoration with, with your brother or sister. And, and that would be something the elders would say, that's a must, you must do that. If you decide you don't want to do that, now you are living in unrepentant sin. And you are causing division within the church. If you don't want, and this is just a warning, because I don't want to be up here, and you don't want to be up here. Who wants to be brought before the church? 
saying, so-and-so, if, if, listen to me, Brandon has done this to somebody, and he, he, is, he is not acknowledging that it's sin, he is failing to repent of that sin, he, he thinks he can be a member in good standing and, and in good fellowship with the body of Mount, First Baptist Mount Shasta, even in, sitting in sin in this, in this regard. And we as the, whoever is there, the elders of the church would say, we, we are not considering him a brother in this matter anymore. And he is not welcome here as a brother or to participate in, in ministry as he, as he would have before. He's, he, he is going to be treated as any other tax collector in the world, which means you can come, sit, and be under the preaching, but we are not going to entrust ourselves to you as a brother of Christ. Hoping that that, that threat, Scripture would go on to say in other places, that that threat would cause you and I to not want that and that we would repent. That we would repent quickly. It's so important. I, I know it's hard. Why don't we go talk to somebody about things? A lot of times because we go in pride and, and we don't know how to come in meekness. And a lot of times when we go in, in pride, it, it, pride just puffs up on the other side too, doesn't it? So we, we, don't, we can't win anybody because there's no humility in that. We have to be able to go in humility and graciousness and compassion to our brothers and sisters. And if we can't win them, I, I, would, I would assume this about myself. If I can't win them over, it probably was in the way I communicated poorly so I'm going to grab a friend to help me communicate better. Because I have no desire, no desire to defame them, to slander them, to gossip about them. I have no desire to have a broken friendship or relationship with them. I have every desire to repent of what I have done and to, and to make sure they understand what I have felt or what, what I have seen or perceived as sin in their lives. So I take somebody else with to do that. But, but that, that is way different than gossip. That is way different than slander. That is way different than critical talk. Although when people come for counsel sometimes, they, I, critical talk wells up. Self-righteousness wells up like they did this. And I get it. Settle down. Settle down. Slow down. So are you limiting the number of people you're speaking to? Because the, the gospel, Jesus would restrict it to th these delicate matters to very few at first. Next, the final diagnostic question. Do you think do you think of those whom you're sharing the information to as passive recipients or involved participants? I'm sharing someone's trash. Are these people just passive participants in that? Or are they active participants in that? Involved participants. Jesus' goal for us in speaking to others is never merely just to vent and to share someone's garbage. Those that receive information, you and I, here's the standard too, those that receive information must be prepared to go with that person so they can speak to the other person involved. If you don't understand your hearers as having an active participatory role, then you are participating in sinful speech, gossip and slander. We gotta love. We gotta love one another. And I know it's hard to do. Ephesians 4, my last verse, says this. And we've read it, I think, every sermon it's been a memory verse. No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need that it might give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve God's Holy Spirit. You are sealed with Him for the day of redemption. So let all bitterness, anger, wrath, shouting, and slander be removed from you along with all malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another and forgive one another. Why? Why do we do that? Why can we do that? Just as God also forgave you in Christ. Listen, we aren't perfect, church. We're forgiven. 
and has forgiven people who have been in, into, welcome into a restored relationship with Christ, you and I are to do everything we can to maintain restored relationships with Christ's people, whatever it takes. And that does not include gossip, does not include slander, and it does not include critical, sinful speech. Amen? Would you stand with me as we pray and we prepare our hearts to worship the Lord? Father, I thank you so much for your grace and your love. God, I know this is a heavy topic and there's a lot of information, God, but I, I pray that you would ha have been uh, working in our hearts and showing us, revealing to us the areas that we, we need to speak way, way less. We need to think more than twice before we speak to make sure that it's not sin. God, we don't want to share information that's not ours. We don't want to share false information about somebody that would hurt or destroy. And God, we... We aren't the judge that sentences and condemns our brothers and sisters. Help us to love well. And God, help us to pursue re restoration. Help us to pursue redemption and forgiveness. And God, to avoid at all costs the division and the destruction and the damage that Satan wants to do. We trust you with that. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.